Welcome to Fantasy Football Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks on the Mayo Media Network. Sub to Mayo Media Network on YouTube while you're here. Smash the like button while you're at it in the comment section. Give me your favorite single player on the Thursday NFL Week 1 preseason slate. We're going to be talking prize picks and some over-unders. We're going to be talking about DraftKings for Thursday. Plus, Peter Overzet is stopping by just a little bit later on for his top five favorite last round picks deep sleepers in either your season-long deep drafts or best ball drafts so if you want to hit the time codes and just jump right to peter you know i i will care personally but i know that's the information that you want to get so just hit the time codes as always for that if you want some bucks in your pocket one week left to get into the draw for the cash giveaways we're at a thousand dollars right now we need 31 more reviews to jump the prize pool to $1,500. All you need to do is hit the description and leave a five-star review on Fantasy Football Picks and Bets on Apple Podcasts, something you enjoy about the show. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and leave your Twitter handle or email address so I can contact you when you are a winner. Also, you want to get in on prizepicks.com right now. We're going to be going through the over-unders. Nailed it! Both in golf and preseason football last week. So, bucks all around. They will match you up to $100 on your deposit right now if you use the link in the description or the code MMN for Mayo Media Network at checkout right now. So, please go do that because I think we got some picks for you. Cody Main from Established. The run is back after a very winning week. I won on DraftKings. I won on prize picks. Cody, I'm going to lock you to a ball and chain just get your picks every week <laughs> we're back double the games double the opportunities to win money uh you know despite being tomlin last week and we'll talk about him again here shortly because we got mike tomlin on the slate once again i think it was a successful hall of fame game slate a successful week one let's get to it with week one of the official preseason if you want to ignore the hall of fame game slate yeah, well, even if we do ignore the Hall of Fame game slate, Pittsburgh did play there. So how did they react in week one of the preseason with this being their second game versus some of the other teams where this is the first time that we've seen them? Yeah, we got to trust Tomlin at this point. We, I, I think I got a little cute last week. Um, he said he was going to run Najee Harris. I didn't expect that to be true. Did not expect Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson to play at all. They played like a quarter and a half and both smashed. Chase Claypool was necessary in the winning DraftKings lineup. So it sounds like they're going to run a similar rotation this week. And we've got, uh, you know, one game sample size of what that means. And, and I think that's a pretty good jumping off point of where to begin, both from price picks perspective and from a DraftKings perspective. So when we jump over to prizepicks.com, once again, code MMN, link in the description. They'll match your deposit. So you deposit 100 bucks, you get 200 bucks. I mean, why wouldn't you want to do that? I'm actually asking you right now, why wouldn't you want to do that? Because I think we can find some spots here, especially in the over-under fantasy props for points. It's full point PPR scoring. We went through that last week. You can go check that out again or just click on the site for what the scoring is. I feel like the unders are where we want to live at in these, though. If we can figure out, now we have four teams on the docket and there's some pretty like they're low over unders but i could still see some unders coming through yeah that was the most shocking thing looking at a full well, i guess full slate we've got two games but there's a lot more options to choose from this week than last even and looking through that i was just you, you you're, you're taken aback and I, I mentioned it last week you kind of have to check your ego at the door and kind of forget everything that you know about fantasy football when you see three and four fantasy point over-unders for most of these guys. Uh, but yeah, the unders are where you want to live with most of these guys. And, and back at it again for me, Dwayne Haskins, um, 
Tomlin held true to what he said he was going to do. He was going to start with Mason Rudolph. He was going to bring Dwayne Haskins in at the end of the second quarter, and he was going to play him through the third and then finish up with Josh Dobbs. Um, so I'm looking at Dwayne Haskins over under fantasy points right now on prize picks at 5.7. Yeah, I think we're going to want to live under that. And we're going to have to live with the fact that he doesn't score a touchdown. And if he does score a touchdown, he's going to need to to not turn the ball over. And he's going to need to put up at least 50 yards passing in order to hit that over. So basically what you're banking on with most of these over-unders, especially at the quarterback position, is if these guys will or will not score a touchdown. And for someone like Haskins at 5.7 fantasy points, not only does he need to score a touchdown, but he actually has to put up a decent yardage total. So some of these guys, you'll see their over-unders right around four. And if they score a touchdown, you're dead. But I think we can get away with Haskins scoring a touchdown and still survive the under if for some reason the yardage total isn't there. So that's that's where I'm looking at first. Dwayne Haskins under 5.7 fantasy points. So one of the big things about prize picks is you can't take two guys from the same team because I actually see Najee Harris right now at 6.6 fantasy points. And I was like, yeah, if they play him as much as they did in the Hall of Fame game, you know, he picks up those like two greasy receptions. He might get to the over in that like that one. Really, although it seems like it should be any like 6.6. Anyone feels like it should be just a clear under. That's the one that kind of terrified me a little bit. So I, I like that you went with Haskins on the under and not Harris on the under. I think I might have had to push back on that one. I'm terrified of Najee Harris. He, he had, I think, seven carries for 22 yards and picked up a reception in the last game. That easily could have been seven carries for 40 yards, one reception for 10 yards, and, and he could have gotten into the end zone. So uh, I don't know if Mike Tomlin, being the ultimate dolt that he is, is going to let his first-team offense, albeit without Ben Roethlisberger, I don't know if he's going to let his first-team offense uh, go two full games without scoring a touchdown. So we might see Najee Harris in until he punches one in. Uh, was there anyone in any of the other games that stuck out to you, whether it be a quarterback receiver or running back? Um, yeah, the, the Washington new England game is the other game on this slate. And we obviously don't have any sort of data points to go off of based off of this year, but we are expecting, uh, we, we have somewhat of some solidified starting news from Washington in terms of what they're going to do with their starters. We we're expecting, and all of this is available at establish the run Uh, You can get our our depth charts, our tiers, our live show before the games kick off tomorrow. But we are expecting Washington to run their starters for about half a quarter to a quarter. And then Taylor Heineke is expected to come in before they finish things off with Steven Montez. Now, it looks like Prize Picks is expecting the same thing. Taylor Heineke's over-under on his passing passing yardage prop is at 95 and a half. Um, which if you look at some of these other guys, they've bumped them up from last week, but that's still a pretty big number. We're expecting about a quarter and a half to two quarters for Taylor Heineke with the upside to go up to about two and a half. Uh, If you look historically in preseason week ones dating back to 2016, only 20% of quarterbacks that have played at least 25% of the snaps have gone over 95 and a half passing yards. So despite the fact that Heineke is going to play a little bit, uh, he might even get a full half. I still like that under on 95 and a half. These offenses are just too vanilla by the end of the game. They're, you know, by the third quarter, by the fourth quarter, a lot of times we're seeing them just pound the rock up the middle, like we did last week. So under 95 and a half on Taylor Heineke, despite what we may get reports of a uh, full half of playing time feels like a pretty good number. Now, Cody, I'm greedy when it comes down to this, as my viewers know that I, I want to go for the max. So if we just take a Haskins under, 5.7 and a Heineke under 95.5 passing yards. That's going to pay us three to one on our money. 
which is pretty good. But if we add one more, we get up to five. We add another one from another team, we get up to ten times. Now, do you would these be the two that you would go with, or do you have a third that we can play here? This is my starting point, but I'm going to shock you, and I'm going to shock the listeners. I think I've taken unders. Well, okay, I got to take an L because I did have a James Washington over last week, right? And despite playing an entire half as probably one of the most talented wide receivers on the entire field, he managed to put up a goose egg for us. I'm going back for one more over, not on James Washington, but on J.J. Taylor, New England Patriots running back. I expect, and we at ETR expect, a pretty big amount of run for J.J. Taylor or Ramondre Stevenson. If you look at J.J. Taylor's yardage prop on prize picks, it is down to 19 and a half. Uh, That's a number that feels like he can get over. We know that the Patriots Patriots depth chart at, uh, at the running back position looks at first glance, pretty deep, but we know, or we don't expect uh, Damian Harris to play much. We don't expect much of Sony Michelle. Certainly don't expect much James White. Uh, Brandon Bolden is a career special teams guy. Jacob Johnson is a fullback. So that really leaves two guys to handle a bulk of the load. That's JJ Taylor and Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, 19 and a half yards feels like a good number, especially if JJ Taylor's there at the end of the game, just, just three, four yards and, and a cloud of dust at uh, per carry. So I'm going to give you an over. I hope it doesn't flop like it did last week with James Washington, but we're going over 19 and a half rushing yards for JJ Taylor. All right. I like that. So, I mean, last week it actually worked out in my favor because I couldn't put Washington and Mason Rudolph on the same (laughs) team. So I was like, oh, the quarterback one sounds way better. I'll just leave Washington off. Boom. Winner for me. Three to one. So this gets up, gets us up to five to one right now. If we do, you can do a flex play where you can, you only need to get two of the three correct to return a little bit of money, or you can go five times your money on the props. If you get all three of them, right, which I'm greedy. So that's what I'm going to do. So you like the rushing yards, 19.5 over under fantasy prop on prizepicks.com versus the 3.1 fantasy points on JJ Taylor. Yeah, looking at that number, that's a pretty good number too. You could go either way. Um, the the part of the game that I'm expecting him to play in, I don't feel like there's going to be a whole lot of passes thrown, but he certainly has that quality to his game. Um, so yeah, you could get a reception and a few yards and and throw that in there with 15 to 15 to 20 rushing yards, and you could easily hit that over 3.1. Um, so I, I think you can go either way there. If you if you feel like there's more capabilities there in the pass game, then then lock up the three the 3.1 fantasy points. Yeah, so I guess that would kind of depend on how this game is situated, because if the Patriots are behind late in the contest against Washington, they probably will be passing a little bit, I would think. And if you have a third string quarterback, actually, it would be Stitham, wouldn't it? Or would it be Mac Jones playing late in the game, do we think? Well, what we're expecting right now is about a quarter, uh, maybe a little less for Cam Newton, and then maybe up to two quarters for Mac Jones. Not entirely sure. They haven't been very forthcoming with information there, but Stidham is actually out. He's sidelined due to a back surgery. So it's going to be old man, Brian Hoyer closing out the game. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know there, but, but man, 3.1 is awfully low for a guy that we expect to get a little bit of run, Um, especially in that, that portion of the game where if he is getting fed on the ground, then he can just churn out those yardage yardage totals. And if he catches one or two out of the backfield, we know that the Patriots offense certainly is conducive to running back PPR points then, man, 3.1 is awfully low. I, I, I had kind of overlooked that. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the over 3.1 fantasy points because all of a sudden, if he ends up with a reception for nine yards, it's going to be pretty easy to get to that total. He's essentially right. like halfway there at that point. Then if they give him eight carries on the ground, just to churn it out in terms of the rushing yards, then you don't even have to get to his total to pass the over-under. So I think that's going to be the, the three-play for fantasy football picks and bets right now on prizepicks.com. Once again, code MMN. If you want to get that match deposit, link is in the description of the pod and video so go check that out Dwayne Haskins under 5.7 fantasy points Tyler Heineke under 95.5 passing yards JJ Taylor Patriots running back over 3.1 fantasy points in this game I like it a $50 wager an entry will pay you $250 so I'm just gonna start spending that money now even before the games are over Cody I feel pretty good about it we gotta go 2-0 we gotta run it back yeah, of course. I mean, if you go 2-0, and you know you're going to have to come back to go 3-0 and here as a part of this. Let's talk DraftKings slate because you can have one of two ways you can go with this. And it's going to be uh, you can do the single game uh, showdown contest or you can do the combined slate. Do you have a preference between these? Well, just given given the prize pools, it's kind of forced my hand. Obviously, I'm the showdown guy. I've, I've kind of dove into those streets headfirst. But the showdown slate has a total of 5K to first, I believe, for their main GPP. And the two-gamer, the classic slate, has a total of 50K to first for their main GPP. So I know where I'll be spending my money. Uh, it'll be on the two-gamer. So if you want to start there, uh, it's, it's an interesting slate to break down. Well, let's start on that. And if anyone's looking for the Friday slate or Saturday slate, stay tuned to Fantasy Football Picks and Bets because we're going to have another show tomorrow evening breaking down the prize picks and DraftKings plays from that. And if you want the best tools and stats in the biz to help you out and manage your teams, runthesims.com. All tools will be live on August 15th. But if you go to runthesims.com slash mayo right now, you will get your discount on the pricing right now. The pricing is going up very soon, so you might want to lock in that price. Uh, if you check out the newsletter, which I have in the description, you can see some of the features that are available for that too. Uh, you start running the optimizer and you're going to be good to go. Everyone on this two-game slate for Thursday evening, Cody, is $5,500 on DraftKings. It sounds like you like J.J. Taylor. Am I just penciling him in right away? Yeah, the, the slate really sets up nicely, and this will all be pretty clear in our tiers if you're an established Throne subscriber. Um, this will all be laid out pretty clear in our tier tiers. There's three pretty clear cut running backs. Uh, and it starts with JJ Taylor. And if you're in that Ramondre Stevenson camp, he's a bigger body, uh, kind of a, a heavier back, more of a grinder, more of a pounder. Um, if, if you're kind of into that, then he's, he's the other guy there. And the other guy that we mentioned that I'm terrified of in, in the prize pick streets is Najee Harris. And based off of what we saw last week from Tomlin, I would expect a lot of the same this week. In fact, he's said as much. He's going to turn him loose. Um, I, I, Najee Harris, J.J. Taylor, and Ramondre Stevenson are kind of the three clear-cut plays at running back this week. Do you think you can play Taylor and Stevenson together in a lineup? Absolutely. So if you look at the depth charts on Establish the Run, you'll see that most of these running backs, uh, running back depth charts are pretty stacked this week uh, in terms of just available bodies. In fact, Washington's got six guys that we would expect to see carries. Um, you go over to New England, and we mentioned New England. We're only looking at like J.J. Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson. We don't expect a whole lot for Harris, White, Michelle. Uh, like I said, Brandon Bolden is a special teams guy, and Jacob Johnson is a strict fullback. Don't expect a whole lot from them. So they're going to have maybe two, three, four guys that get carries. And then if you look at the pit side, too, 
um, they're pretty thin behind Najee Harris. So if you want to run Harris with one of the healthy bodies, I think that's a viable option. Someone like Jalen Samuels or Anthony McFarland would make sense too. But it seems like Benny Snell and Kalen Balaj will also miss time. That's kind of up in the air at this point. Maybe we'll have more information by tomorrow. But at this point, with two games uh, and some teams that are healthier than others, I would not be afraid to run two running backs from the same team, assuming the depth chart is thin. When you try to assess your flex position in a two-game slate like this, do you think you have to lean running back or receiver or just best available? Because it does seem like if you can nail the wide receiver who's going to have the breakout game, their potential upside based on their one or two plays feels like it should be higher than any sort of running back. But at least it seems like the volume for some running backs is somewhat predictable. Yeah, particularly it is slate by slate. Uh, obviously, that's that's the cop-out answer. But particularly on this slate where there isn't a whole lot of standout plays at the wide receiver position. And we just saw last week that four five, six fantasy points can be enough to <laughs> to vault you to the top. Uh, I mean, Chase Claypool's 9.2 DraftKings points was was I mean, it, it basically broke the slate. And anyone behind that that scored six or seven points was going to be in the winning lineup. So you don't need a massive outlier performance. Yeah, of course, the 15 points from your wide receiver when he catches a big bomb is incredible. But I have no problem locking in the volume at the two running back positions and then taking a third guy in the flex there. Now, if somebody comes out as a standout play at the wide receiver position later on or closer to lock, then absolutely they, they should be vaulted up. But again, in preseason where you don't need these big outlier scores, I have no issues locking in the volume from the running back position when we know we're going to get it. What time is the ETR live stream on Thursday evening? We will be going live at 5 p.m. Central time. Uh, I always get that mixed up. Yeah, we'll be going live at 5 p.m. Central. So I believe that's about an hour and a half before kick. And then me, Sean Newsham, Adam Levitan will all be in the Discord leading up to lock updating if there's any news or any inactives that we need to change our top plays on. So you can go to establishtherun.com and check that out. If you like quarterbacks for this slate, is there any one that like, oh, let's just pencil him in and try to find the guys to support that? Yeah, quarterback's pretty rough. I'm I'm really holding out hope that we get some news closer to lock, but it it man, it's it's it seems like a lot of guys that are going to play about a quarter and a half. Each of these teams is going to have at least three quarterbacks available to them. As I mentioned off the top, we expect the same rotation from Pitt. That was basically a 30-40-30 split with Rudolph starting, Haskins getting a bulk of the middle, and then Dobbs coming in late and Dobbs actually outscored both of them. Um so you, you start with Haskins there, but I think there are better plays than him. Um, Jalen Hurts is somebody that seems like he might actually get some run as a starter and a guy that's mobile. We know that he can put up points quickly with his feet. He's someone that I'm certainly interested in. There were some interesting quotes from Sirianni uh, about like merit-based playing time, if you will, for the first team offense. If the first team offense comes out and plays well, they may have a quick day. But if they don't, he may leave them in there for a few series. And, and PSU fans, Sean Newsham, thinks that, that the playing time ceiling on Hertz could even be a full half. So it's one of those things that if they come out and perform well, he may, he may not play very much. But if, he, if they perform well, you're hoping that he did well in terms of fantasy. And if they don't play well from the very beginning, then hopefully you're getting more volume, more rushing attempts, uh, more passing attempts from him. So Jalen Hurts is somebody that stands out. As I mentioned, Taylor Heineke, I'm on the under 95 and a half because that's just a tough number to get over. But he is going to be up there in the lead for playing time on this slate. So he's another guy that I like. 
And then between that tier of like Mac Jones and Nick Mullins, we may see between a quarter and a half to two quarters of these guys, but it's kind of a mixed bag. There's no one that really stands out as a clear cut top option tomorrow. Do we have a wide receiver we want to pay? I think, I, I think Jalen Hurts is probably the move here because you said it best. The way that he scores fantasy points is so easy. So if he, even if he's not successful early on, just through attrition, he can pile up a ton of fantasy points. Maybe you get lucky with the touchdown at the end. Or if they come out firing, you have to think that he's going to score a bunch on that drive alone. He's not normally someone I like to pair up with a wide receiver, but this is a weird slate. It's a two-gamer, so hopefully he can connect with someone and get into the end zone. Does that lead you more to the Goddard or Ertz? type level of player like at tight end and maybe that's an easy way to fill out our tight end or is there a philadelphia receiver you would look at there's someone that i'm, I'm hoping gets a little bit of time a little bit of run with jalen hurts and then we'll also play a little bit with the second team so i'm not going nuts trying to stack up the one guy that we expect him to throw the touchdown pass to if that's the case but with devonta smith out <clears throat> we have jalen Rager. Greg Ward, Travis Fulgham, and the guy that I think would get the most run a little bit with the ones, but definitely with the twos and threes would be Quez Watkins. He's been turning in a lot of noise at camp, so someone that I could expect to see uh, run throughout the majority of the game. If you're trying to pair up Jalen Hurts with somebody, Quez Watkins would be the place that I start with. Yeah, so after Quez Watkins, is there any other receiver, just regardless of team, you're like, oh yeah, that guy's going to get some run here. <laughs> Yeah, there's one guy that is is actually a very clear standout from a, a wide receiver perspective, and that's with the information that we have right now. This could all change closer to lock, but Anthony Johnson, pit receiver, a guy that we talked about last week, and a guy that actually performed well. He, he had 5.2 DraftKings points last week, caught a couple of balls, played quite a bit. Um, a, as of right now, it appears that based off of Pittsburgh's depth chart, we won't see James Washington or Ray Ray McLeod. Now we didn't expect to see Ray Ray McLeod last week. And then he led the, led the wide receivers and snaps. So he is not practicing due to a knee issue as of August 10th. Uh, and same with James Washington, not practicing. We know that he requested a trade out who knows what's going to come of that. But if, if James Washington and Ray Ray McLeod don't play, they were one and two in snaps uh, from the wide receiver position. And then third behind them was Anthony Johnson for Pittsburgh. So I would expect a massive amount of playing time for Anthony Johnson for a pretty thin Pittsburgh wide receiver skill position group. Uh, and he would be the clear option just as a standalone wide receiver play. And are there any tight ends that you can imagine going to here? Because I, I'm just looking at the list like, oh, everyone good's going to get like one series, maybe. <laughs> Is there anyone that you would expect to see on the field for extended periods of time? Yeah, there is one guy and it, it goes back to Pitt and and thankfully for them again, I know we got Tomlin last week with with uh, playing time for uh, Deion John, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and, and a lot more Najee Harris than we expected, but they have been pretty forthcoming with information and I think at this point we just need to take it for what it's worth. Uh, the Athletics Mark Cabali is reporting that there's going to be a lot of playing time for our favorite Penn State tight end Pat Fryermuth. Uh, he was He's got the skill set, I think. Uh, if you're looking at the tight end position, he's certainly somebody that that sounds like he's going to play quite a bit. Didn't get a chance to play last week. He's a rookie. We've seen Tomlin want to throw out his rook throws rookies to the Wolves in the preseason. So I'm going back to the well with Pitt, and, and it sounds like my roster is going to be full of a lot of Pittsburgh guys. But uh, Pat Fryermuth is somebody that I think at the tight end position can get it done for you. 
So at defense, I mean, that's an absolute crapshoot. Pittsburgh looked pretty good last week. They're going to at least have, you would assume, a lot of their guys, and if they're committed to playing some starters right away. Their defensive line just looked really good, no matter what what series of regulars were into the game. They were getting into the backfield, and where it's going to be the first run through for the Eagles and with Hertz going to be running around a little bit and depending on how like Mullins looks when he comes in uh is Pittsburgh probably the play or do you say hey it's New England they have they have Heineke and Fitzpatrick like this could this can only go well yeah I, all of the defenses any any time in the preseason especially early on when we don't know playing time and this is this is obviously more of a showdown stance but all of the preseason all of the preseason defenses obviously sound appealing given the level of quarterback play that we're expecting I think you actually have to start with Washington. We're expecting a decent amount of time for Mac Jones, obviously rookie, his first action. And we're expecting some of those starters on the defensive side of the ball for Washington that we know uh, is, is we expect to be a great defense this year, a lot of sack potential. I think that you start with Washington. And then, like you said, with the Steelers, um, the Eagles getting their first preseason action, 37 year old immobile Joe Flacco, just a statue back there for any time that he's playing. And then, yeah, if Nick Mullins gets a full half, then uh, I think you have to like your your opportunities there for scoring on the defensive side of the ball. All right, Cody Main, thank you for jumping on once again. I, I, I like I said, I won on Prize Picks, I won on DraftKings. I expect the same this week. Okay, I will be, I will be disappointed. I will be sad. I will be shamed if if we lose this week. So let's get after it. All right, Cody Main, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? C Main Seven. All right. And you can follow all of his work at EstablishTheRun.com. Like he said, 5 Central for people bad with time zone. That is 6 p.m. Eastern time on EstablishTheRun.com. And that will do it for me. Fantasy football picks and bets for prize picks and DraftKings will be back on Thursday evening. Lauren Carpenter hosting her first show. We got some good guests lined up. But right now, the top five deep sleepers for your fantasy leagues from Pete Overzet. What's up, guys? Peter Overzet here. Excited to give you five sleepers in drafts that I'm keeping an eye on right now. We, of course, have training camps underway. We have all the beat reporters tweeting, giving us information. Some of this stuff is very useful. Some of it isn't. So it's our job to sift through all this news, and it is a fire hose of news, and try to figure out what's actionable. So when I'm looking at these blurbs and I'm writing you know, the Fantasy Life newsletter and trying to figure out what is valuable to people, two main things stick out to me as concrete, actionable information. And that is one, injuries. If, if a guy's not playing, he can't accrue fantasy points for our team. And number two is actual data on usage from training camp. In the same way, when we get to preseason, when we see how teams are divvying up their carries, how they are targeting specific players, that gives us an inkling of how the team actually feels for these players. So these are kind of the two guys guidelines that I use when I'm looking for sleepers. And the first one who checks one of these boxes is Marquez Callaway, the Saints wide receiver. Now he was a guy that hadn't been on a ton of people's radar, you know, after the whole Michael Thomas incident, Traquan Smith and Adam Troutman were the guys who initially got bumped up, but all of the training camp buzz on Callaway sounds incredibly good right now. This is one of those things that we call the steady drumbeat of training camp news. It's not that it's just one flash in the pan or or one negative report. It's we consistently hear good things. We had this quote here the other day. I can read it to you. 
Callaway is by far the go-to man for Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill with about 31 pass attempts in his direction, regardless of whether he's with the first or the second team quarterback. He's caught the ball 19 times, far more than any other receiver. That's from Catherine Terrell, who covers the Saints. So I think Callaway is a great late round sleeper right now, especially in best ball when you don't have to figure out when to start him. And I think he pairs particularly well with Jameis Winston's skill set. If Taysom Hill is the quarterback, I think there's a little more variance there because we know Taysom Hill isn't going to push the ball downfield as much. He's going to take off and run. But it sounds like Callaway is playing well and also aligns perfectly with Winston's skill set. So don't forget about Marcus Callaway. Callaway at the end of your drafts. The second one here is another wide receiver, and this is rookie wide receiver on the Panthers, Terrace Marshall. Now, we had already been getting very good reports about Terrace Marshall out of camp, that he was playing well, that he was lined up for the big slot role in this offense, of course, with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore playing outside. That's a very valuable role in a condensed offense. And now on top of all of this, their fourth wide receiver, David Moore, is now injured and out indefinitely. So what this does is it frees up the runway for Terrace Marshall to get a ton of looks, a ton of targets, and play in all those three wide receiver sets early. You know, we often get incredibly excited about these rookies, forgetting that there are veteran presences there that could cap their at least short-term and mid-term upside. I think another example would be to take the rookie wide receiver in Seattle, Dwayne Eskridge. We're all excited about him. We want him to be the third wide receiver there in that offense, but it sounds like it could be Freddie Swaim early there. So I think the similar kind of dynamic could have played out in Carolina, but now that we remove David Moore from the equation, I think this is wheels up for Terrace Marshall. He checks all the boxes as a prospect, as a big-bodied guy that I think can earn targets and I think can be a factor in the red zone, especially when you uh, factor in that they don't have a large tight end presence there. So I'm very much in on Terrace Marshall. He is getting a little pricier in some drafts, so be price sensitive, but I'm going out of my way uh, to get Terrace Marshall when it makes sense in my drafts. Now, the third guy, we'll switch positions here that I want to highlight, is Zach Moss's injury here. So I'm not highlighting Zach Moss, I'm highlighting Devin Singletary, his backfield counterpart, who I think is going to be a big beneficiary if anything were to happen to Zach Moss. Now, Zach Moss wasn't a picture of health last year, and he now recently suffered a hamstring injury on Tuesday. This goes in addition to his ankle injury from last year that ended his season. And I know the Bills running backs aren't necessarily something that get people very excited about as far as drafting running backs in fantasy. And that's because Josh Allen is so heavily utilized at the goal line. They pass a lot at the goal line. They do lots of trick plays. And so there's just not a lot of touchdown expectation from the running backs. But I think that could potentially change this year. They just signed Josh Allen to a really big contract. Maybe they want to protect him a little more. Maybe they don't want to use him at the goal line as much. And maybe this pie, this piece of this offense is just so big that these running backs fall into the red zone or the end zone a few more times this year. So when you factor that in, they're both incredibly cheap. And now if we remove Zach Moss from the equation for a little bit of time with his injury, I think Devin Singletary is an absolute smash. I mean, he's going at pick 150, 160, 165 sometimes in these best ball drafts. And I think that's an absolute steal because not only are you going to get immediate production from him, he is going to often be the passing down back, the hurry up back in that offense, but he also might become a bell cow-ish back if Zach Moss were to continue to struggle with injuries or continue to miss time between this hamstring. So don't worry about the overall, you know, 
rushing TD expectation of these backs. Just trust that the offense is good. And if you remove one from the equation, the other is going to be very valuable. And that's Devin Singletary for me right now. Let's do another running back here. And this is even a deeper sleeper than Zach Moss. And this is Boston Scott out of Philadelphia. And I know the second you bring up Philadelphia running backs, everyone goes, no, 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 no. That's a mess. It's running back by committee. I don't want anything to do with that. I hear what you're saying. However, I think targeting these ambiguous backfields in a cheap way is the way to do it. What we don't want to do is target the most expensive running back in in an ambiguous backfield. This is also the classic Patriots conundrum, right? It seemed for years it was always the cheapest Patriots running back that did the best. Granted, there's some variance there, but the point still stands. When we don't know, let's pay the least amount of draft capital as possible. And right now, Boston Scott is checking those boxes. Over at uh, Eagles Practices, the beat reporter, Elliot Shore Parks, has been charting usage for these running backs. And it's actually pretty interesting. So Miles Sanders is leading the way here. I'm looking at the chart. 34 total carries, 15 catches, 49 total touches. But Boston Scott is not there far behind. He's gotten 18 of the 34 first-team carries, and he actually has more catches than Miles Sanders through training camp so far. This is through 10 practices. So this isn't the end-all, be-all Training camp is to get other guys worked in, but we've seen Boston Scott step in in this offense and be very good uh, towards the end of last year when Sanders has missed time. So I think Boston Scott is a guy we need to monitor. It sounds like the rookie, Kenneth Gainwell, is going to get pigeonholed into more of a pass-catching back, but I think there's a chance that Boston Scott and Miles Sanders are sharing a decent amount of the workload, so you're going to get some production from him, and then in the event of an injury to Miles Sanders, I think Boston Scott you know, could get... Get 75, 80% of the touches here in the backfield. So Boston Scott is a guy to keep an eye on, and you can get him for free in almost any draft right now. And so we've now done two wide receivers and two running backs. Let's do a quarterback here to wrap things up. And this is a guy that was on our radar for a long time and then fell off because of the recent injury, and that is Carson Wentz. But as of today, it sounds like he is going to be ready for week one. And all of the things we liked about Carson Wentz before the injury still hold true. They have a great offensive line. They have solid weapons. They have a great running game, and their schedule is incredibly juicy in the fantasy playoffs. They play New England, Arizona, and Las Vegas. So I like Carson Wentz. He's a guy that I like pairing when I take a high upside rookie quarterback. If I take a Fields, a Lawrence, or a Trey Lance, I like getting, you know, a Carson Wentz as a bridge type quarterback. So Carson Wentz being fully healthy now, his ADP just completely bottomed out after that injury because people assumed he was going to be gone the first five to eight weeks of the season. That was potentially in play based on these reports. So I'm back in on Carson Wentz. If you can get him as your second QB super late in these best ball drafts, I think it's a really nice value there. And I think people just kind of have a wrong connotation of what they think Carson Wentz is because of how things ended with Philadelphia. But I think this is a perfect bounce back spot and you're getting him incredibly cheap. So that's right now, as of today, August 11th, five deep sleepers for you in your fantasy drafts. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. You can subscribe here to Fantasy Football Picks and Bets. We will continue to be here for you guys, giving you all of the updated information here, all the sleepers you need to dominate your drafts. Good luck out there, guys. We'll see you next time.